Thank you. Um, I do have one other announcement. I totally forgot to put a slide up there for it, but um, the Farmington Police Department is doing a hygiene drive right now. So they're just in need of a lot of different items for people in our community. So it's on our Facebook page, a list of all of the things that they need, and we're gonna be a drop-off site. So if you just wanna start grabbing some things while you're out and then bring them here, we'll make sure that we get them all over to them. And that goes through December 10th. So just wanted to let you know about that. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to see you today. I'm Christy Kerr, if I haven't met you before. My husband, Jeff, and I are the pastors here at Homestead. And we're so happy that you are with us today. We are starting a new series today um, on mental health. So maybe you knew that was coming, and that's why you're here. Or maybe you're like, oh, boy, I picked a good Sunday to start coming to church. Um, but we are, uh, we've done this a few times over the history of our church, where we have taken a, a few weeks to just talk about this idea of mental health. Now, there are a number of reasons why this is important. First of all, historically, churches, we haven't done a great job of addressing mental health in the past, I think, the full spectrum of mental health. I think for a long time, it really wasn't talked about a lot. Um, I think sometimes people thought, well, if I go to the church and I tell them that I'm struggling mentally, they'll say, well, maybe you should just pray more or have more faith or, you know, maybe it's just a spiritual problem that you need to work through. And that's true. There are a number of important components of mental health that are spiritual in nature. But the reality is that mental health struggles, they're rarely confined to just one area of our lives. We are physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual beings. Not only do we know that from the way we live, but we know that because scripture tells us that. It tells us to love God with all our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. Scripture talks about how all of these different pieces of who we are make up the whole of who we are. And 1 Thessalonians says that God will sanctify us through and through our spirit, souls, and bodies. So we know that when we're our healthiest, all of those components, all of those areas of our lives are in sync and healthy and working. But sometimes one of these areas or two of, or three of these areas are out of whack. And when we simply tell people to pray harder, instead of addressing the other issues, we miss out on the wholeness and the fullness of how God heals his people. He heals us through and through, heals our bodies, heals our souls, works on our relationships, heals our spirits. We can have a strong, healthy spiritual life, but your relational life might be a complete disaster, <laughs> and it's causing depression and anxiety and stress in your life. Your relationships might be really good, but your physical body in your body chemistry and your health are suffering. And it can affect your energy levels, your happiness, your mental clarity. Or your body can be super healthy. You might be the most fit person in this room. And yet emotionally, you're struggling with loneliness and disappointment and overwhelm. So to accurately address mental health, we have to take a look at all of these areas of our lives, including our spiritual health. And the Bible has wisdom for us in all of those areas. The Bible talks to us about how to have relationships. It talks to us about how to take care of this physical body he's given us. He talks to us about all these emotional components. The Bible is relevant to every single one of those things. And we need 
to invite Jesus into every single part of our lives, our physical health, our emotional health, our relational health, and our spiritual health, and allow him to lead us so that we can stay mentally strong and healthy. So that's one of the main reasons we want to talk about it here. Another reason that this is so important to Jeff and I is that when we talk about that, we talk about these things is that mental health issues have deeply personally touched our family. We have both had our struggles with depression. We have both had our struggles with anxiety and burnout. Our kids have deeply struggled with depression and anxiety. And we have spent years walking through these issues with our family and mental health issues. And I remember there are times where we were in the middle of such a hard, heartbreaking season, feeling very alone, feeling very isolated, feeling like we didn't want anyone to know what was going on, not sure who we could even ask for help and prayer because it's just there's shame attached to it. Um, we were hesitant to reach out. We were embarrassed. We didn't know what to do. And it felt like we were the only ones who were going through that kind of struggle. And during those times, there were always people who would be honest with their own struggles, who would come alongside and say, hey, you know what? We've been through that. I've been through that. Here's some things that I did. Hey, here's what's next. And I just remember how incredible it was, how God used the body of Christ in those seasons to just come around us to help us know that we were not alone. And so we just determined that we're going to be open and honest about our own struggles and we're going to be open and honest as a church. We want this to be a place where when you are struggling or someone in your family is struggling, that there are so many people that you know you can come and talk to, that you can share what's going on, and that this is a place that we are open and honest about those things. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they have to hide something because they think that they are alone. But this church needs to be a place where we are open and honest about sharing all of our struggles, and we rally around each other. You know, we kind of have a motto sometimes. We'll just say, well, it's, it's my turn. You know, sometimes people will go, oh, I, Christy, you don't need to bring me a meal. I just feel so bad. And I'll go, well, it's your turn. And when I need a meal, it'll be my turn, And right? That's kind of how we work here. And so there might be times when you're going through a season where you're just having a really hard struggle. And it might be hard to ask for help. But, but guess what? It's your turn. That's what family does, right? We take care of each other when we need it. And then when you're better, it's going to be your turn to help somebody else. And so that is why we are taking the time to talk about these issues. And so as we are praying about these, this series, and Jeff and I have been praying for, about it for a while, I really felt like the Lord gave me a specific direction. And so we are calling this season, or this series Through the Valley. There's a couple scriptures that this comes from. The first is Psalm 84, 5 through 7 says this. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. We also see this same wording in our beloved Psalm 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. In this series, we're going to be talking about valleys. 
we're actually going to look at some of the famous valleys in scripture and see how the Lord showed up in the midst of a valley, a low place, a challenging season, and the beautiful things that he did for his people in the valley. We see in scripture that valleys symbolizes places of hardship, places of weeping, of struggle, of drought, and Valleys were places where resources were scarce. Valleys were the place where people were tired and weary and were ready to give up. Valleys were the places where danger existed. The robbers and the thieves would hide in the valleys because it was a place where people were vulnerable. And so there were people coming out of the woodwork and there was very real danger at hand in a valley. But over and over in scripture, we see God show up in the low places of people's lives. God shows up in the valleys, and he meets his people there with miraculous intervention. And the reality is that all of us are going to go through valleys in our lives. Both of these verses make it very clear. Psalm 84 and Psalm 23 both say, when I walk through the valley of weeping, and even when I walk through the darkest valley, it doesn't say if Somehow you find yourself in a valley. If some crazy thing happens and you happen to be in a valley. No, it says when. When you find yourself in a valley. So we are all going to go through seasons where we find ourselves in a valley. Maybe our marriages hit a rough patch and you just find that you just can't quite seem to get through it. Maybe your kids are struggling or someone you love in your family is going through a health issue or some kind of relational struggle. Maybe you're overworked and overtired and you just find yourself weary and overwhelmed. Where maybe you're facing a huge obstacle or a conflict in your life. Maybe you've lost someone and you're grieving that loss. And you know, sometimes we just find ourselves in a valley and we're not even quite sure how we got there. We just know that when we look up, we see mountains, 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 and we cannot imagine trying to muster the energy to climb out of that valley. And we don't even know how we got there. We just know that we feel overwhelmed, daunted, and exhausted. We all will go through seasons where we're in the valley. So there are two things I want you to remember today as we start the series. There's going to be practical stuff we talk about. There's going to be all kinds of different things. We have different people coming to share. But there are two things that as we start this out that I want you to remember today. And the first one is this. God is with you in the valley. Jesus is really, really good in the valleys. In my life, in those moments where I feel like I have crashed down the side of the mountain and I find myself lying at the bottom of a valley, broken and bruised and battered, I have found Jesus to be so incredibly close, so incredibly gentle, and so incredibly kind. Psalm 84, 6 says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. How in the world could a valley of weeping become a place of refreshing? 
That doesn't make any sense, right? Valleys of weeping feel like they should strip you of any kind of joy or blessing. But this verse is saying that in the place where you are in the valley, when you're weeping, when you're brokenhearted, you will find it will become a place where you feel refreshed and blessed. How in the world does that happen? Because Jesus shows up uniquely strong in the valley. He shows up uniquely powerful when we are broken and when we are struggling. And whenever he shows up, something miraculous happens. This place that should drain you of everything becomes a place where you see firsthand how really good and how really kind God is. You see it with your own eyes. This place that feels like you're totally alone and stuck becomes the place where you feel the breath of heaven filling you moment by moment. And you come out of it absolutely confident that there is not a moment that Jesus is not closely by your side. You will never walk the same way again once you experience the closeness of Christ in the valley. I have found in the valley there is a beauty to be found. When you invite Jesus into your brokenness and your struggle, and you become keenly aware of how he is caring for you. I don't know how you picture Jesus in your mind, what that vision of who God is, what that looks like for you. Maybe you see him as kind of a taskmaster, like, hey, I got work for you to do. Come on, let's get going. Or maybe he's just hard to please. You better measure up. Maybe you picture someone who's hard to please or demanding, someone who expects a lot of you, or someone who has this big master plan to save the world, and you are an inconsequential little tiny wheel in the big machine. But there is something incredibly beautiful about imagining Jesus in the middle of a valley when you don't have anything to offer but your brokenness and your pain and your weariness when you're hurting, when you're not earning your spot, when you're not contributing to the cause, but Jesus just shows up sits right down next to you and comforts you and stays with you and keeps you safe while you're vulnerable and reminds you that you're not alone. That is a place of blessing. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3. It says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. How beautiful is that verse, saying that when you are flickering, when you're struggling, he's not walking up there going, enough of you, not pulling your weight. A, a broken reed, people would just break them off and throw them out. But no, that's not what God does. He will not crush the weakest reed, or he will not put out a flickering candle. He is not frustrated with your brokenness. He's not frustrated with the season where you need to take a step back and say, I need to address something that's going on in my life. When you are weak, when you feel like your light is just barely flickering, that is when Jesus shows up with gentleness and kindness and restoration for weary hearts. So today I want to remind you that God is with you in the valley. You are not alone and you are not left to yourself to figure out a way to get out of the valley. I have found this so true in my life. So probably around 10 years ago, I just felt very off. 
I just felt like something was not quite right. My normal temperament, I found, was just changing. I was exhausted. I was unable to cope with anything that would really happen. I just felt like, you ever feel like that where it's like it's time to make dinner? And you're like, dinner? What? <laughs> Every night I have to make dinner, right? Can anyone relate? You're just like, this feels like the end of the world. Like, I can't imagine making one more dinner. I just was like, everything felt so overwhelming. And it was just getting worse and worse. And I really didn't want to tell anybody what was going on. But I was struggling mentally every single day. I just was. I could just tell. I felt hopeless and overwhelmed. I felt mentally foggy and lethargic. And I just did not feel like myself. Now, of course, Jeff had noticed, shockingly. And, um, and my kids had noticed, and they were confused. But I tend to just be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just tired. I'm fine. It's fine. But I also walked closely with Jesus. And he began to address this valley in my life. And in the mornings when I would sit and I would read and I would pray, I would feel him begin to ask me questions about this. Christy, it's okay to not be okay. Christy, are we going to talk about this? What's going on here? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I kept trying to push it down. But every morning, the Lord would gently bring me back to this thing that, Christy, it's okay if you're not okay. We got we to gotta look at this. And so I slowly began to allow the truth of where I was at mentally to rise to the surface instead of just pushing it down. I'm fine, I'm fine. I instead kind of just started to acknowledge it, recognize it, recognize, yeah, something's going on. And then one day I was praying, and I remember very distinctly the Lord impressing on my heart that I needed to reach out to someone and be honest with what was going on in my life and talk about it. Now, I have a family history of depression. I knew specifically that my grandmother had really suffered in her life with clinical depression for a number of years, ongoing depression. So I called my mom, and I just said, how old was grandma when this all started? And I remember her saying, well, it was kind of around her 40s. And I remember finally saying to my mom, I think something's going on with me, and I think I might need some help. And I remember hanging up the phone with my hands shaking, feeling so overwhelmed that I had said the words out loud, I think something's going on with me. Then I picked up the phone and I called my doctor. I remember making an appointment and she asked, well, what would this appointment be for? And I remember saying, I think I'm depressed. And this poor receptionist probably was like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, I just said the words out loud. It was just this huge moment because I... It was like a total stranger, but acknowledging, I think there's something going on. This was huge. And I remember when Jeff got home that day, I remember kind of waiting when he came in, and I remember saying these exact words, I think I did something very brave today. I think I did something very brave because it was really, really hard for me to admit that something was going on. And since then, there have been seasons where I have been on medication, there have been seasons uh, where I see a counselor regularly, but mostly I'm very aware of my own mental health and what's going on in my mind, and I keep a gauge on how hard I'm having to fight to stay mentally positive. I just watch, and I keep an eye on it. It was a hugely pivotal moment in my life because I made the decision that I was not going to be the victim of this thing. My mom would talk about watching her mother 
lie in bed for years. And I just decided I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be a victim to this thing. And if that means I have to be brave and ask for help and do the work that I need to do, then I'm going to do that. And let me tell you, Jesus a thousand percent led me into that decision. My time with him, he gently led me. He, it was not rough. It was not condemning, but it was like, all right, let's go. We're going to get through this. And when you are in the valley, you do not have to figure out how to get out of it by yourself. The Lord will guide you, and the Lord will guide you with all kinds of ways. He will guide you with people. It started with a still, small voice, and then it moved to my mom, and then it moved to a doctor, and then it moved to a counselor, and then it moved to podcasts and books that I read to deal with the stuff that I needed to deal with in order to get to the other side of that. When you are in the valley, God is with you. You are not alone, and he knows how to get you out. The second thing I want you to remember today, number two, is you are going through the valley. Now, as I was studying for this series, that word through was like neon lights flashing at me over and over again when I would see it in scripture. Because here's the truth. Valleys are temporary locations. Valleys are temporary. Now, I know it seems to some of you like you have been in a valley forever. But you are going to get through it. The problem is that when you're in a valley, everything about it feels like you're never going to get out. It feels like you're going to be there forever. It feels like it's been so long and you just look around and go, I just can't imagine not feeling this way. There, that's just the nature of what valleys do. You can look at the road up ahead out of the valley and you look at it and say, I can't even imagine having the energy to even put one foot in front of the other to get out of this thing. And so valleys feel permanent. They feel like you're always going to be there. But that is not true. That is not true. Valleys are temporary, and you will get through them. It might be a week. It might be months. It might be a couple of years. But it's still temporary. Right? But here's what I want to talk to you about today. Here's the reality. Some of you have pitched your tent in the valley. You have been there for a while, and so you have just sat down and made yourself comfortable. And the identity of depression and anxiety, it's just become, well, this is just, I guess this is just who I am. I guess I'm always going to be here. You have stopped thinking about getting through the valley. And so you've just decided, well, I just better make myself comfortable here. Today, I need you to hear me. Do not pitch a tent in the valley. That is not where God has for you the rest of your life. Do not get comfortable there. You may not know how you're going to get out, but do not decide that you're not even going to try. You may not feel like you have the energy to even stand up, let alone walk out, but you keep saying to yourself, I know this is temporary. I know that God is going to get me through this. I know I can see the other side. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know I'm going to get there. For some of you, you just might need to trust the people around you who love you and do the things that they are asking you to do to begin your journey out of the valley, right? But many of you, your families are begging you to do something, to call someone, 
to go to that meeting, to do something to address what's going on. And they are more than willing to help you, but you have pitched your tent in the valley and you've just gotten comfortable and you just think this is just who I am now. And now you're stuck in the valley instead of moving through it. Don't stop moving through it. Even if it's crawling, <laughs> don't stop moving. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a neuroscientist and author, and she has a book called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. And I really like her, her podcasts, her daily posts. They're really good. And in much of her writing and podcast, she talks about how anxiety and depression are signals to us. They are normal human emotions that our brains give us to let us know something needs attention. Something needs to be addressed. And recognize these, recognizing these signals and getting honest about our mental health will, will help us start to address the underlying issues that need to be addressed. So it might be issues from your past, and it's just bubbling up. And you got to get in there and do the work to work through that. Maybe um, there are issues in your life that need to be brought into the light and addressed. Your body and your mind are flashing big warning lights to let you know that something needs to be tended to. And it might be body, mind, soul, or spirit, but something needs to be tended to. Now, her concern is that so many people now just say, I have anxiety, and take that on as a label, and then they never do the work to get through it. So instead of just saying, well, I just have anxiety, she recommends start asking yourself questions. Why am I feeling anxious? What am I afraid of? How can I work through this fear? How can I begin to reframe my thoughts when I feel that feeling of anxiety? My body's trying to tell me something. What work do I need to do to help overcome it? You know, for me personally, it would be really easy for me to just say, I'm just a depressed person. It's in my family. It's just who I am. And it's true. Listen, I keep a really close eye on my mental health because I know my history and I know my warning signs. But I cannot pitch my tent in the valley of depression and just decide it's who I am. But when I see those warning signals come into my life, I know I need to change something or address something or get some kind of help. For me, I know I'm starting to struggle because everything feels overwhelming and I feel like I can't do much. Um, I actually get really irritated. Shocker. Have you noticed? I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm naturally, like, really patient with people. I don't tend to be, you know, frustrated by people. But I can tell when I'm, like, like redlining because I'm just like, everybody's driving. Like, they're the worst people. And it's like, I'm just, it's like not me. It's just I'm critical. I, you know, I re why would they do the newscast that way? Like, every little thing, I just think, like, you're all idiots, right? Which is just not my normal personality. And I find myself critical and irritated. Maybe I'm the only one, but that, to me, is how it manifests. I want to sleep all the time. Like, I wake up tired. I can't quite seem to get rested. Um, when I see these things in my life, now I look at them as warning signals. Instead of just saying, well, okay, here it, here it comes. I know it's only a matter of time. But I just say, oh, okay, time to, time to do some work here. i got to maybe shift some things on my plate. Maybe in times that has meant medication, at times that has meant going to a counselor, like something's, something's off. 
working through something. Sometimes it's meant working through relational conflict. Jeff and I have gone to marriage counseling to work through stuff. There is no shame in any of that. That's why we're still married. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes it's meant physical rest and rebalancing my priorities, but it has always, always, always meant leaning into Jesus deeper and saying, okay, Lord, what's going on? You know me better. I thank you, Lord, that it says you know my every thought. You know everything going on. You form my body, my mind, my soul. You know what's next, what's going on. Can you see the difference between pitching your tent in the valley and recognizing that even though there might be times where you find yourself in the valley making a decision that it's always going to be temporary and you're always going to keep going through. You are going through anxiety. You are going through depression. You are going through burnout. You are going to get to the other side. Do not pitch a tent in the valley and make yourself comfortable there. Here's what I know to be true. You are going to get through this. You are. Jesus is right there in the middle of this low place. He's there to comfort you, to care for you, to keep you safe, and he's going to take you by the hand, and he's going to walk you out of that valley. So this morning, I just want to take a minute and pray for those of you who are in the valley Or maybe someone you love is in the valley. I think my kids' valleys were even harder than my own. I want to pray today that you feel the presence of Jesus close around you. That you know he's not angry. There's no shame. But he's just right there. For me, imagining him just sitting down next to me and just saying, all right. Here we go. What's going on? Has brought me so much comfort. I want to pray that you'll hear his whisper, that you'll feel his loving arms around you and know that he is going to walk you out of this valley. You are not going to be here forever. And I also want to pray for those of you that have pitched your tent in the valley. Some of you have been there so long. You've just really... It's become a part of who you are. When you think of yourself, you think, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just a depressed person. And the enemy has lied to you and made you think that this is permanent. Now, you might always have struggles. That's okay. But you are going through. This is not who you are. You have the promise of Christ like we sang about this morning. Garments of praise. Beauty for ashes joy instead of mourning. We are people of Christ. Weeping might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I want you to know today, there's hope. You are not going to be here forever. You are going to get through this. It might take a few weeks or months. It might take a couple years, but it's okay. As long as it's slow and steady progress, Jesus is with you. So why don't we bow our heads today? God, I just thank you so much for how faithful you are in the valley. Lord, we all, in different seasons of our lives, find ourselves there. Some more than others, some more regularly than others. But Jesus, there are times that we all find ourselves struggling. And Lord, 
Maybe there are people here today that, like me, have felt off for a while, but they haven't even allowed it to come to the surface. They just keep pushing it down, and today you are, you are gently inviting them into a new season of healing and wholeness that you want to get to the heart of what's going on. But part of what comes with that is acknowledging the struggle, acknowledging that something's going on. I pray today, Lord, for the bravery to be able to tell somebody what's going on in their lives. I pray that they would feel you taking them by the hand and guiding them forward. Lord, I pray for those today that don't even know what to do next. I thank you that you know exactly the right next step, the right person, the right counselor, the right anything needed, Lord, to get the next step forward of getting out of this valley. So I just thank you, Lord, that you are with us. We acknowledge that you are with us. And secondly, Lord, I just pray for those that have felt like this valley is permanent. They have just, they have been lied to the enemy that it's never going to change. And they're starting to feel hopeless. And despair is creeping in because the enemy is telling them, you are never going to get out of here. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word that when we walk through the valley, you are with us that it is not permanent, that we will get to the other side because you are with us. You will not leave us there. So I pray today that there would be hope, even if it's just a tiny little glimmer of it, that it would be enough to just bring clarity and energy into places that have felt overwhelming and hopeless. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. And I just pray, Jesus, that as we talk about this over the next few weeks, that you would just really do a work in each one of our lives and that you would help us to run to you in every situation. In Jesus' name.